Masechet Sotah, Daf Mem Bet. This is a new pedic, but we're continuing the same theme as the previous pedic, uh, the same list from the beginning of the previous pedic, which was all things that one must say in Hebrew. And actually, this theme is going to continue all the way until the very end of the Masechet. So now we're up to Meshuach Milchama Beshash Medaber El Ha'am, Beshona Kodesh Medaber Shnemar, Vahyav Kekarobchem. We're talking about a Kohen who is anointed for the purpose of war. Uh, he would go and speak to the troops and rally them. And at the time when he would speak to the, uh, to the nation, he would have to speak in Hebrew. As the Pasuk says, when you um, uh, enter into war, the Kohen, this Kohen will come close. And uh, so this Kohen is, ref- is referring to the one anointed specifically for this job to speak to the troops, and he will speak to them, Vidiber, Belshana Kodesh. And I will explain that the word Vidiber, we make a Gezerah Shavad that has to be in Hebrew. What does he say? Uh, so we could refer to the Pesukim now uh, so that we can see the context, right? It says here, when you go out to war um, uh, and you see, right, even a lot of uh, horses and chariots, forces that are larger than you, don't worry, because Hashem will be with you. He took you out of Egypt. And when you join battle, right here, here you go, the Kohen will address the troops. And here's what he says. What does he say? We're going to learn a lot from each of these words. Shema Yisrael is going to refer back to um, Shema, the, as we know, Hashem Elokeinu. Um, you are entering into war today against your enemies. Having a war against enemies is different than having a civil war, as we'll see. And uh, do not let your courage, let your not courage, let your courage not falter. Do not be in fear panic and dread of them. Because Hashem will be with you. And then the next section, we have the Shotrim, the uh, other officials, the judges will come, uh, not judges, officials, will um, will come to the people and say, whoever um, has a milestone in their life, if they built a new house and has not yet um, lived in it, uh, or if they uh, planted a vineyard but has not, have not yet harvested or got married, Married, um, uh, um, engaged, but have not have not yet uh, completed the marriage. They should go home, and then the shotrim add and say, anyone who is uh, uh, afraid, uh, let them go back, so they don't um, ruin the mood for everybody else and uh, make their courage uh, be depleted. Um, and then, uh, okay, and th- th- that's it. And then it has a list of uh, laws about war. All right, so those are the pesukim. We're going to see how the uh, the mission first the mishnah interprets it. Al um, velo al Right, you're going into war today against your enemies, not with your brothers. Sometimes, unfortunately, there are also civil wars um, with one's brothers. Lo Yehuda al Shimon velo Shimon It's not the same as when you have Yehuda fighting against Shimon and Shimon Shimon fighting against uh, Binyamin. Uh, throughout history, there were civil wars between the northern and southern kingdoms with Binyamin um, and others. Uh, so because if you, when you go into a war with your own brethren, if you fall captive, 
they will have mercy on you. Whereas when you come to an, uh, a foreign enemy, there will be no mercy. Take no captives. And we actually have a story. It's mentioned in here in Devarim. In fact, there was a story of a civil war between the north and the south, and the north beat Yehuda and took some 200,000 captives, and the people in the north were going to keep them as slaves. But then the Navi came to them and said, "You're gonna. it's bad enough that you had a civil war, but now... You're going to take your own brethren, other other uh, members of Bnei Israel from another Shevet, and enslave them. That is not the right thing to do. And the people said, "You're right." And instead, those people, right, that uh, realized that um, that were mentioned, they took those captives um, and all that had been naked. They gave them clothing. Um, and they gave them food and drink, anointed them, meaning to soften their skin so that they, you know, they could be healthy. And they carried the ones that couldn't walk on donkeys and they brought them to Yericho. In other words, they took good care of their captives and returned them to where they wanted to go. And so this, that's true in a civil war. But in a foreign war, this uh, that's not going to be the case. Okay, so you need to know that. Now, you're going with your enemies, then and if you fall captive to them, they will not have mercy on you. Nevertheless, do not be faint of heart. Do not be alarmed. Do not be terrified. What are all these phrases? Um, enemy armies uh, would often do a lot, make a lot of noise and do things to stir up their courage and to uh, put fear in the hearts of the enemy. Um, and so do not be, let your heart not be faint when you hear the neighing of the horses and the sharpening of the enemy's sword and your heart's going to start beating at a Fear, right? Don't worry. Altireu, be not fearful. Don't worry about that when you hear the knocking of shields and the noise of boots. Uh, these are uh, boots here. You can see maybe example boots of from Roman times um, uh, that are called Caligula, which happens to be also the name of uh, one of the most evil emperors that we mentioned just yesterday. Uh, Caligula, there he means little boots because apparently they dressed him in little boots when he was a kid. Um, I wonder if it comes from the same word as clogs. Okay, anyway, this is when you hear those boots coming, you know the uh, lots of soldiers are coming, and that is scary. Uh, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid by the trumpets. And here's a karon, a trumpet that Romans would use to announce uh, the war and get the other people scared. And the shouts, right? The uh, soldiers would all shout. So that's why it says all of these words that, that don't be, um, don't, don't lose your courage from all these tactics, uh, noises. That the enemy will um, will use. They're coming, a champion by just mere flesh and blood. Their king, their emperor, um, but you are coming with champion champion by Hamakom. 
by the omnipresent. Pilishtim Baal Shel Goliath. Here's from some examples. Pilishtim, they, their champion was Goliath. What happened to him? He was killed. His whole nation was killed. Also in time of David, Amon uh, came and they were uh, they were championed by Shovach, their uh, their general. And what was the end? He fell and by sword, and they all fell by sword. So they're all flesh and blood, and no matter how big or scary they seem, we have Hashem on our side. Hashem will be with you to fight with you against your enemies. In what way is Hashem with us? With the Aron that is taken out for war, um, it represents Hashem's um, uh, um, providence and power that is with them during the battle. Good. That's the Mishnah. My Ka'amar. Now it says when it says uh, the Hesta has to be in Hebrew because his word Vidibed. Well, how do you know that means that the Kohen Mashuach has to speak in Hebrew? The Mashuach Milchama. Kachi Ka'amar Shenemar Vidibed. Olan Omer Moshe Daber Vahalim Yanenu Bekol Malalan Vershon HaKodesh Afkan Vershon HaKodesh. We saw this Pasuk before. So here it says Dibed, and when um, Moshe was speaking in Har Sinai, it also says Yedaber. And over there, we already proved that that was in Hebrew. We made a, a we made or we made Gezrashava to this pasuk from the word Kol and Kol. Here we're doing it from Yedaber and Dibed. And so that's how we know that this Kohen has to speak in Hebrew. Baraita is going to elaborate and ask, well, the Pasuk just says the Kohen will come and speak to them. So maybe any Kohen can do it. No, but then it says that the, the officers, these officials, so these officials are appointed precisely for this job. And so too, just like the officials who are going to say uh, those exempt should go home, they have to be appointed so too, it's going to be a Kohen who's specially appointed for this job to be in charge of the war. Maybe it's the Kohen Mims Kohen Gadol. He's appointed. Uh, he's appointed for lots of things. It has to be similar to the, uh, the officer. Just like the officer is a lower officer, there's a higher officer, officer above them. There's going to be a general or a judge that's going to be above this officer. So too, the Kohen has to be someone who's not the highest Kohen, Kohen Gadol, but has to be someone who's appointed, who has also a boss over him. Oh yes, Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol does have a boss. He has a king. Remember, last we saw yesterday that the Kohen Gadol takes the Sefer Torah and gives it to the king. Kohen, king is higher than Kohen Gadol. And the answer is, we mean within that function, within that work, there's nobody within the Kehuna that's higher than the Kohen Gadol. Yes, Kohen Gadol would have to answer to a Melech, so it's his boss, but not, not a boss within the service of the Kohanim. So the Kohen Gadol is the highest, has to be someone that would be a deputy under the Kohen Gadol. So say it's the deputy. The deputy, his job is that in case the Kohen Gadol becomes, uh, um, uh, becomes tame, incapacitated, or dies, so we need a vice Kohen 
command to step in. So he's a second and he's a second in command and he is in the service of Kihuna. So why can't he be the one to go out to war? The answer is no. He is actually not appointed for any job. The vice, just like the vice president, you know, is the most boring job. Every vice president hates his job. He just sits around and does nothing. He just waits to see, you know, the uh, off chance that uh, the president will get sick. Um, or die. So that's so too. The vice Kohen Gadol, he actually has no appointment to do any function um, because, as we says, as says in the Breita here, what well, for what is the vice Kohen, Kohen Gadol uh, chosen? So that if the Kohen Gadol becomes Pasul, then he can uh, come instead. Uh, but since he has no um, uh, no uh, uh, profile um, and no official position, therefore it's not called Memune, and it's not that would not be like the office who are appointed for a specific task. And that's why uh, we, that's how we learned that it has to be a different Kohen who is appointed under the Kohen Gadol for the specific task of being with the, with the nation as they go out to war. And now in the speech, as we just saw in the Pesukim, he first he starts off saying, getting everybody's attention. Listen, Israel. In the Peshat, it just means he's getting their attention. There's a lot of times when we say Shema Yisrael. But there's a Midrash that's going to make connect this Shema Yisrael with the famous Shema Yisrael Shema Lokenu. And the Bishma Barachai teaches that Hashem tells, tells B'nai Israel, even if you fulfill only saying Kiryat Shema in the morning and at night, then that will be sufficient merit that you uh, will not be delivered into the hands of the enemies, right? Uh, you don't, uh, better to do more and to learn more Torah and do more good deeds and all that, but even just that basic pledge of allegiance just do that at least, and then Hashem will make sure that you are not harmed. Al Yerach Lebabchem Al Tidulukwen continues and says, uh, Do not be faint of heart, do not be alarmed. Tenor Banan, Pamay Medaber Imam, Ahat Basifar, Vahat Bamilhama, Basifar Mahu Omer. This Braita teaches that it's not, not, it's against the Peshat, but I'll explain. Um, that the Kohen actually speaks to them on two different occasions. Once on the border before they go in, and once again on the battlefield. So at the border, what does he say? Listen to my words. Here's the regulations of the war, right? Regulations that might include all the laws of uh, the, the the ethics of war, right? Who 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 can you kill? Who can you not kill? The continuation of um, the Devarim Perekhaf uh, is all about that. But it may very well include also, and she does say that it includes. The uh, who's the exemptions from war? Um, now this is curious because the exemptions, as we just saw, were actually said by the shotrim, right? Anyone in those three categories or who's afraid should go home. We're going to see the gemara, the gemara on the daf tomorrow is going to say that actually both the kohen mashuach milchama and the shotrim uh, talk about the exemptions, the kohen first and then the shotrim afterwards. So this beraita is following that opinion that the kohen is also uh, first. It's out of order because that means the exemptions are first, which makes sense that first you want to tell the, say the exemptions you're at the border listen anyone who's not fit here uh or has a milestone go home so they're still going to go home and not go all the way to the battlefield 
after the Kohen and the Shotrim do that, then the Chizru, right here it says, and go back home. So that's how you, that's how you see from this word that it is talking about exemptions. Um, okay. And then the Kohen will speak again at the battlefield. And there he will say, what comes first in the parasha? And it says four different um, statements of not being afraid, uh, corresponding to the four things that the the uh, uh, the armies of the nations of the world do. Uh, they uh, clash their weapons, they blast their horns, they shout, and they trample with their shoes to uh to, with their boots to find the enemy don't be afraid of any of that good now the mishnah may give gave some examples uh how how the bnei israel we have hashem on our side and they have only a human being on their side for example the pilishtim they came championed by goliath let's talk about a long a lot of agada about goliath goliath is called goliath not cause his uh not just to have that that happens to be his name, but his name comes from Galui, Gilui. He was brazen faced before Hakadosh Baruch Hu Shneimar. Beru lachem ish veyered elai ven ish el Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Goliat me was uh, made a, um, a, a, a a threat. Um, and uh, said, right, every, hey, you guys, choose a man, choose the, your best uh, fighter, and let him come down to me. He's taunting them. And the Midrash says, Ish refers to none other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu Adonai Ish Milhama. So uh, Goliath was actually referring, according to this Midrash, was saying, bring your God and bring, let him come here, and I will fight him. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Al Yad Ben Ish, Hashem says, I'm not going to deal with him directly. I'm going to get a child, a Ben Ish. And that refers to David. David is referred to here as Ben Ish Efrati. Why Ben Ish? Because he was still young and says, I don't need to deal with you. You're just a human being and I'll even kill you by this small child. Regarding Goliath, his mouth uh, trapped him on three occasions. He was saying some kind of threat, but within the words of the threat, he actually predicted his own downfall. One that we just mentioned, he said, choose a person among you and let him come down to me. So let him come down is already indicating that that guy, David, is higher and Goliath is lower. Goliath is going to fall. And then he says, if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail and kill him, then we, then you shall be our servants. You see that first, he says, um, if he's able to, to fight with me and kill me. So he starts off, hey, if you can kill me, right, which already foreshadows uh, that he, that in fact is going to happen, what he said first. Uh, and uh, the next time it says, am I a dog that you come, come to me with staves? And so he's saying, yes, indeed, um, he's going to die like a dog. Um, so uh, uh, Goliath, again, uh, predicted his own downfall. David, but now we ask, David also said something that sounds like it's negative. Uh, David said, David said, you're coming against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin? And that sounds like, yeah, he's coming against the men. He's uh, predicting that. 
Goliat will win? And no, the answer is Hadad Amalev Anochi Ba'alecha B'Shem Adonai Sabot Elohei Yisrael Marchot Elohei Marchot Yisrael Asher Hayrafta. David answered, "I'm coming." Uh, uh, David added immediately after that, "I'm coming to you in the name of Hashem, in charge of all the armies." Um, and uh, uh, the, uh, the, the hosts of heaven and the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. So because David followed up immediately contrasting your measly sword with what I have, my secret weapon, right? Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu on our side. So that's why David David's statement was uh, positive, whereas, um, uh, uh, and he only mentioned the cheref to contrast it with Hashem, so that was not uh, uh, um, setting up, uh, uh, for, foreshadowing his own downfall, whereas Goliath's three statements um, were all um, uh, negative. Continuing on that Shema theme, it says that this Pilishti Goliath, he would come every morning and every evening and taunt them for 40 days. Why did he come every morning and every evening? So, following up on Shema, in order that they, they would prevent them from reciting Shema. Right, right in the morning, during Shema time, he'd be yelling and screaming and everybody be distracted. And hopefully they won't say Shema. We just said, if they say Shema every morning and evening, then they'll be protected. So Goliath, right, we knew this. And he's, um, he's going to distract them during a the time of Shema. And he was uh, um, uh, presenting himself there and taunting them for 40 days. Why 40 days? Corresponding to uh, the 40 days um, during which the Torah was given. Meaning that he hoped through his taunts and destruction of Bnei Israel, that way he would destroy the Torah as well. That was that's what he was trying to do. Okay, we continue with Goliath. It calls Goliath a person of Benayim. Literally, it means he's standing between the two camps. He's uh, at the forefront of the Pilishtim, and uh, that's why he's the he's championing them, and he's in between. Uh, but when Midrash reads it differently, my Benayim Amarav Shemivune Mikol Mum. Several interpretations. One is that he is built and uh, free of any blemish. He's the middle among his brothers. I mean, he was just so-so. Um, uh, uh, he was not the, the middle child. Uh, that he was as tall and big as a building. He says, Benayim means that he had a hundred fathers and one dog as a father. So Papi from like Pop, you know, Pop, uh, Greek. And Nani is, it means dog, but it's curious why it means dog. Some say that the Nun really should have been a Chaf, a Chani, like canine. Um, anyway, his, uh, his mother was, um, let's say, loose. And so he may have been born of any number of 101 fathers. Begoliat Shemo Migat. Now he comes to, his name was uh, Goliath, and he come from, comes from a place, it's a city called Gat. We know where that city is. But we're going to read it midrashically, as symbolically. She's called that, Gat means a threshing floor. Everybody would thresh upon, meaning sleep with his mother, like people uh, step on, uh, uh, step on uh, grains. 
or a wine press. Gat means a wine press, rather. Um, so everybody would step on her and uh, abuse her. Ketiv me'arot vekarenan ma'archot tanerav Yosef she'akol he'ayeru be'imo. It also says that Goliath came from the caves, me'arot, but we read ma'archot, uh, meaning the, from the ranks, from the, uh, from the, from the field. Uh, of the soldiers, and so why is it written ma'archot uh, from he'ara, uh, meaning everyone penetrated and everyone um, uh, um, had their way with her. Ketiv hadafa'uchtiv orpa. Okay, so now this is interesting. We're taking hadafa. This is um, in Shemuel Bet. 21, it mentions uh, other uh, battles, but the old David, and so they fought other Pilishtim at other times, and then it names um, this Yishbi Benov, Ashelbi Lide Hadafa. So, someone who is a descendant of this person, Hadafa. The Midrash is going to equate Hadafa here with Orpa. From Ruth, just like Orpa, she left um, her uh, mother-in-law, uh, contrasting with Ruth, who was loyal to Naomi. So she's a negative character, and this negative character uh, gave birth to several um, uh, enemies of Israel that are detailed in uh, the following Pesukim here, right? Saf. Uh, all the the children of this Hadafa. Okay, so we're going to combine these two and say Hadafa is also the mother of Goliath. So putting these two different contexts of fights with um, big uh, enemy giant Pelishtim uh, together with Goliath, and so reading it together. So here we have uh, this Hadafa, Ketiv uh, Orpa, uh, so here in one place says Hadafa, one place says Orpa. So assuming it's the same person, which one was her real name and which one was a nickname? Really, her name was Hadafa, but everyone called her Orpa. Orif, like Egla Arufa, means the back of the neck. Orpa was probably called that because she turned her neck back against Naomi and left her. Um, but here we're interpreting it back, meaning back, uh, backside, that everybody would have their way um, with um, the, with the mother of Goliath, and that's why uh, from the back, Orpa. The other opinion says that Or Orpa was her real name, and her nickname was Hadafa. Hadafa comes from the is is uh, is the, means the word groats, which means grains, a, a, a part of grain when it's, when it, the kernels of the grain. Um, uh, so why is she called grains groats? Because everybody um, uh, threshes upon her, uses her, abuses her, like they people step on groats on the threshing floor. And how do we see, see that Hadifot means groats? When David was running away, um, a one woman hid him by having him go into a well and she put a cover over the well and she put these uh, grains on top of it so you would they would they would uh, not notice um so we see from that context that it means these grains or a different pasuk though you should crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle among the groats yet his foolishness will not depart from him good 
ירדו להדפה בגת ויפלו ביד דוד וביד עבדיו. Another פסוק there from that context that הדפה had four children and they all fell by the hand of David. מיינין הוא, who are they? אמר רב יוסף, סף ומדון, גוליית וישבי בנוב. These are their names, you can look at the פסוקים there. So now we're reading the story of David and Goliath and the other Pelishtim back into um, a, 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 there's a foreshadowing of it um, from the ancestor of David who is Rut, and the ancestor of Goliath and the Pelishtim, who is Orpah slash Harafa. So, um, uh, Orpah, she kissed her mother-in-law um, and said goodbye. She was sad to leave. Um, she did the normal thing uh, that someone, she had no, no husband, no future, and so she went back to her people. But Ruth, she stuck to her mother-in-law and took care of her and came, and that's why she's the heroine of the story. So Dibak explains that Hashem said, because of what they did, the one who was kissed, um, uh, the, uh, the meaning Orpa, uh, 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 that she will uh, fall, uh, uh, that the children the, of the one who, uh, who kissed will fall by the ones who cleaved. In other words, the descendants of uh, Orpa, Goliath and all of his, that, that family will fall by the hands of the one who cleaved, referring to David, the, the, grand, the grand-grandson of Erut, who uh, cleaved to Naomi. And here a theme we, we see uh, often that even a Rasha, who does a little good thing, gets rewarded for that small good thing that they do. And here, because uh, Orpah uh, cried four tears, we see this from the fact that she seemed to be sad to leave Naomi, and so she cried four tears over having to leave her mother-in-law, so she merited uh, from that good deed that she had four giants that would eventually come from her, and these giants are uh, Goliath and these others that came and persecuted Israel, um, and that's why it says they lifted their voices, they lifted their voice and wept again. So it says here that they cried. So this crying is the cause of the um, the good deed of crying that she at least felt bad that she left her mother-in-law um, caused the benefit to them, which was an adversary to us. Ketiv haetz hanito v'karenan haetz hanito. Back to the main part of uh, um, section of Goliath, where it says that he had a spear. There's a kriyotiv here. Um, it's it re it it said it, it's written chetz um, half of chetz from chetzi, half of a spear. But we read it ayetz that he had a wooden spear. So what is that? Amar be elazar adain lo higanu lechasi shibchos shel otorasha mikan sheasud lesaper b'shibchan shel reshaim v'la liftach bekelal leoduei shibchan David Belzad says that the this the description it describes how big his um, spear is it was like a weaver's beam and so that's the main description it's the Ketiv is saying that description is actually only description of half of the size 
of his spear. Um, uh, so this is only half of the praise of um, how strong the Goliath was. And so we learn from here that you should not praise a full, um, uh, one should not praise a rasha. It's not nice to say, you shouldn't say some, you know, evil, uh, whatever, you know, Putin. Oh, Putin is very smart. He has a lot of weapons. He can do this, right? Don't give praise to evil people. So now we ask, if you shouldn't praise evil people, then why mention anything at all? Don't even talk about half of the size of his spear. And the answer is, we want to we wanna praise David. We want to show how great David is. And look how David was able to conquer Goliath, even though Goliath was this strong. But when we describe Goliath's strength, we don't give full um, uh, praise to Goliath. We just give an inkling uh, of it, so, oh, not for the purpose of giving praise to the Rasha, but for the purpose of praising David. Okay, the Mishnah continues and mentions a different battle against Ammon. Uh, and their um, a commander was Shobach. And see, that was just flesh and blood. And that's why B'nai Israel David was able to conquer them easily because they had Hashem on their side. Okay, Ketiv Shobach Uchtiv Shofach. In Shemuel, it says his name was Shobach. But in the parallel, in Devrei Amim, it says his name was Shofach. Bet and Peh are often interchanged because they're both bilabials. They used they said with the two lips B, B and P. And so a lot of times they do interchange. So you could understand how such a thing could happen. Um, but the, the Gemara wants to explain both of them. So Rabu Shmal Khadamar Shofach Shemo, Belamanikra Shemo Shovach, Shasuike Shovach. Uh, so one, uh, either Rav Shimon, we're not sure which one is which, says that his name actually was Shofach, but his nickname was Shovach because he was like a, a Shovach means a dovecote, uh, a, uh, a nest that's all the way up high in the tree. This Shovach was so tall, he was as tall as a dovecote in a tree. That's how scary he was. Lefanav Kitikon. Others say his name was actually Shovach. His nickname was Shofach because anyone who would see him, his courage would spill out like Lishpoch, um, like a jug, and he just uh, loses all of his strength. Now, a different uh, topic, uh, the description of the uh, enemy force of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Yirmiyah says their quiver, where you hold the, the bows, is an open sepulcher. They're all mighty men. What does that mean? So this Ashpatot, Ashpato, which literally means quiver, could also mean heaps when they shoot an arrow they kill so many people that they make heaps of corpses and maybe you'll say okay they're particularly skilled um, at bow and arrow but maybe they're not so strong uh, no, they're also really mighty men in all ways. Or another opinion, the ashpatot, the piles, refers not to a pile of corpses, but rather when they go to the bathroom, they make piles and piles of excrement. Now, is that a good sign? Maybe it means that they have a stomachache um, and they are sick. That's why it follows up and says, Giborim, they are in fact strong, and this is a sign of how much they they eat, and they're you know mighty men that you know look how they go to the bathroom.
אמר רב מרי, שמא מנהי מה דנפיש זיבלה חולי מאיים הוא, למי נפקא מינה לצלח בנפשס. זאת אומרת, אנחנו יכולים ללמוד משהו מאוד חשוב, משהו פרקטי פה, שאדם שהולך לבטרום הרבה, Uh, unless he is one of these uh, these uh, giant uh, uh, mighty men who eat so much but uh, otherwise uh, the assumption is that uh, there's something wrong and so why why would you want to know that well get yourself to a doctor to figure out how to get better and now that once we're th- thinking about people who are sick and that they should do something to get better here's some more advice that God believe each if there's a, a worry in a person's heart, he should, what does it mean, Yashchena? Rabbi Amir Rabbi Asi, Echad Amar Yashchena Mida'ato, Echad Amar Yashchena La'acherim. Either take it away, remove it from your mind, right? Don't think about it anymore. Don't worry. Be happy. And the other, the other uh, opinion says, um, you should tell it over to others, right? Don't just forget about it. Don't keep it bottled up, um, but rather relate it to others. And by talking about it, that will relieve your anxiety. Okay, I guess two different approaches to psychology, right? Um, to uh, bottle it up and suppress it or uh, go talk to someone. The second one probably works better. Now back to the Mishnah, the Kohen Mashuch Melchama would say, you, Bnei Israel, don't have to worry because your champion is not flesh and blood, but rather Hamakom. Um, what's, uh, what's, why is he making such a big deal out of this? Um, because the, uh, the name of Hashem and all of its uh, uh, appellations are written in the Adon. where they have the Luchot. And so they're taking the Adon out with them, and that's the representation of God's presence among them. And we see this similarly regarding the war. When they fought Midian, Moshe got a thousand men from each of the tribes, and he sent with them Pinchas. them and Pinchas. So now, Otam, what does it mean, oh, who is Otam Ed? Elu, Elu Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin, they had to okay the war, and maybe they're the Shotrim that are going and, and uh, speaking to the people. Pinchas, Zemashur Melchama. Pinchas was the Mashur Melchama in that war. It's very nice. We're taking the laws from Devarim, and we're, and we're applying and looking for, what, did Moshe follow, follow, follow these laws? Well, he went out to war with Midian, and here you go. You see that he's actually following following exactly this protocol. He sent the holy vessels, that's the Aaron, and the Luchot, those are the holy vessels that you sent to war. And the trumpets, these are the Shofarot, um, that he also sent to, you know, announce, um, just like the enemy we saw before, they play those big trumpets, and so we also have our trumpets that call upon uh, Hashem in a time of distress as part of prayer. Now, Pinchas, why did he go? He was, he's a Kohen, he's the Kohen Gadol. Uh, why specifically him? Why didn't they choose a different Kohen? Oh, it's not for nothing that Kohen, that Pinchas went. He went to t- uh, avenge the, what, the wrong of his mother's father, who was Yosef. 
Now, I know you're going to say, Pinchas is a Kohen. His father is, comes from Aharon, from Levi. Yeah, but this is talking about his mother's side. On his mother's side, he is from Yosef. Says that regarding Yosef, that Medanim, same as Midianim, sold Yosef. And to, to get them back, Pinchas, the... A descendant of Yosef wanted to go and fight the Midianim. He had a personal stake in it. Now, wait, what is his mother from Yosef? It says in this Midrash, uh, Pasuk, that um, Elazar, the son of Aharon, uh, married one of the daughters of Putiel and bore Pinchas, is the rest of this Pasuk. Now, my love, de Atemi Yitro, Shepitem Agalim Labodazara, and there's a tradition that this Putiel, who is Putiel, the Midrash always likes to connect someone we don't know with someone who we do know, and says Putiel is Yitro, he's called Putiel because he would fatten up calves so that he could worship Avodazara. He was an Avodazara guy until he came around. And so you see that, no, Pinchas' mother's side comes from Yitro. So we answer no, Lom Lom Yosef Shepit Pet No, this Putiel is referring to Yosef. Why is he called Putiel? Because he mocked his desire. He was able to resist the advances of Paro's wife, and that's why Pit Pet. So now, uh, who is it referring to? Hold on, we have a longer midrash that it must have been from the uh, the Pinchas is in fact from Yitro. Because in that story, um, the tribes would uh, denigrate Pinchas is after he killed Zimri, and they said, Who came and killed uh, Zimri, a, uh, a, a, a patriarch in Israel? Who's that? Who, who did that? This Puti, this person who is a descendant of Yitro, um, his mother's father is Yitro, who fanned Avodazara. This guy, what right does he have to go and kill one of the princes among us? So you see from that elaboration of, of the story that he must have been from Yitro, not from Yosef. And we answer that both of these um, lineages are correct. Uh, one, one way or another, it doesn't really matter. Either his, uh, his mother's father was from Yosef, then his mother's mother was from Yitro. Or if his mother's mother was from, from Yosef, then his mother's father was from Yitro. But in fact, it says, that he is a descendant on his mother's side from two Putiels. Uh, one, Putiel, that's Yitro, who fattened calves for Avodah Zarah, and the other, Putiel, Yosef. Um, who was Pipet Beitzrom, and that's why uh, Moshe chose Pinchas specifically to be the Kohen Mashur Melchama to go out to war to take a hand in avenging the Midianim who sold Yosef. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.